Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Podcast, where laughter is a main course and humor is always on the menu. So let's get started, and here's your daily dose of funny. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Alex Baluda! I got these for you. Will you give those back to me when I'm done? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so happy to be here. Thanks so much for coming. I love doing stand-up. It's like my favorite thing to do in life. But when my friends find out that I do stand-up, they're always very surprised for some reason. They go, really, you do stand-up? You're so reserved. You always keep to yourself. They describe me like how the neighbor of a murderer describes someone to the news. You know how the neighbor's always very surprised it was a shy person that killed everybody? <laughs> like shy people are going around like, I'd like to kill someone, but where do you meet people? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> One day I'll work up the gumption. <laughs> you know what I noticed on the news? is whenever someone goes missing, they'll interview that person's friend, and they'll ask their friend, what is your friend like? And the friend will always say something like, well, Margaret, she was the most kind and patient person that I know. Now, if it were me, and they asked me what my friend was like after they went missing, I would tell them what they look like. <laughs> I feel like it's way easier to find them that way. <laughs> it's gonna be hard to find Margaret based on her winning personality. <laughs> I might see a guy dragging a lady into a van. She's like, help me, help me. I'm like, whoa, that's not kind or patient. That can't be Margaret. Margaret would have said, help me, please. If you have time, I don't mean to bother you. I'm Margaret and I'm kind and patient. 
Outside of stand-up, though, I have a hard time talking to people. I don't know what they're saying. Like, you know that expression, you can't have your cake and eat it too? I didn't get it until like four months ago. Like, I got what it meant from context, like you can't have everything that you want, but I always sort of thought it came from a time in history when people weren't allowed to eat their own cakes. <laughs> Someone would say it, I'd be like, wow, we have come a long way in cake civil rights in this country. I looked it up on Wikipedia, <laughs> expecting it to have something to do with Marie Antoinette, when she was like, let them eat cake, and everyone went, finally! <laughs> but it wasn't that. <laughs> It actually means you can't both possess a cake and eat it. Once you eat the cake, it's gone. Get it now. <laughs> but that saying is still dumb. Because nobody's buying cake just to have it. No one's eating cake going, man, this is good cake, but I wish it was a cake owner also. That's your problem. Buy a second cake. People will come over and be like, what's that cake for? Well, that's just the cake that I have. <laughs> Can I eat some? Oh, no, we don't eat the having cake. <laughs> we eat the eating cake. And I ate it already. <laughs> Another expression that bugs me that people say is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result. Whenever someone says that, I like to pretend I didn't understand, so they'll repeat it. <laughs> oh, you think you're so smart? They go, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result. I'm like, I don't get it. Do it. The definition of insanity. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> My real estate agent had a weird one that she said. Before we went looking for houses, she said, the house will pick you because you'll feel at home there. But the first house she took me to is this dump. I'm like, why would you think I feel at home here? She said, well, you gotta know what you don't want in order to know what you do want. I don't know a lot about real estate, but I've never picked anything else using this method. My friends have never been like, hey, where do you want to go eat? I'm like, I don't know, let's look in this dumpster to see what we don't want. <laughs> yeah, there's a dirty diaper in there. Definitely don't want that. But that makes me want Chinese food. <laughs> now that I know what I don't want. So I'm in this house, I'm like, well, I'd rather it not have a blood stain on the carpet. And she's like, well, I didn't know that. See, that's why we do this. You gotta know what you don't want in order to know what you do want. But I did find a house that I felt at home in, and before I bought it, we had to do a home inspection. When they do that, they have to test for meth, and the level of meth where you can't live in the house anymore is one meth units. I don't know how you measure meth. <laughs> Scabs? At one scab, you can't live in the house anymore. <laughs> My house came back at point one lives ruined, so it was fine. <laughs> but it was just enough meth to make me feel at home there. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I walked in there and felt great. I'm like, man, it's a fixer-upper, but I've got the energy all of a sudden to fix it. <laughs> I've always wanted to know what that feeling was like when people go, I can't wait to get home, and now I'm like, me too. <laughs> They go, do you have kids? I'm like, no, I just like rubbing up against the walls. <laughs> they say love turns a house into a home, but I say meth makes a very good substitute. 
going to get a sign from my doorway that says, live, laugh, meth. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Usually after talking this long, there are some of you wondering if I'm gay or not. And I knew it. <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> I don't know what sexual orientation I am. What's the one where you like girls, but none of them like you back? It's called lonely. That's what it's called. I'll tell you what, not a lot of people are supportive of lonely people. They're like, look, you can be lonely in private. Just don't be flamboyantly lonely in public. You're bumming us out, man. If you're gay, you get to come out of the closet. But if you're lonely, you stay in the closet. You come out of your parents' basement. You come out as gay, it's celebrated too. People go, wow, you are so brave for accepting yourself. But if you come out as lonely, it's just sad. <laughs> you're like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm very lonely right now. <laughs> and they don't say you're brave either. They say, why are you talking to me? I don't know you. <laughs> I came out as lonely to my parents though. They're very supportive. <laughs> They're like, well, Alex, we can't say we weren't suspicious. <laughs> Ever since you're a little kid, we could tell that no one liked you, but we love you very much. Gay marriage is legal now, but we still live in a society where lonely people can't get married. It's not right. I'm going to take it to the Supreme Court. Even then, I think the judges would be like, yeah, we can't find anyone for you. We've all conferred, and it's the majority opinion of this judicial body that you're kind of icky, actually. <laughs> it's the legal term. <laughs> the problem is, I can't raise awareness for my cause. I can't raise awareness for loneliness. Like, I can't have a lonely pride parade. <laughs> First off, I'm not proud about it at all. <laughs> and if I did have a parade, who would come? This would be me alone on the street, <laughs> waving at nobody. Lonely people are discriminated against. We can't get married. You know what else we can't do? We can't ride in the carpool lane. <laughs> carpool lane is discrimination against lonely people. It's the Jim Crow of the highway. <laughs> carpool lane has its own symbol, too. There is a symbol to my oppression, my friends. And it is the diamond symbol. It's like the swastika for lonely people. It's rude. They picked the diamond to remind us of the diamond on the wedding ring we'll never have to buy. <laughs> Dating's hard. When I was a young man, they told me that in order to be a gentleman, you had to have chivalry. Recently, I looked up what the word chivalry means, and this is true. It comes from a medieval French word that means horsemanship. And I read that, and I'm like, you're telling me being a gentleman is based on how medieval people treated horses? And we're not even talking about polite medieval people. We're talking about French medieval people. <laughs> that also means they came up with the horse etiquette before they came up with the women etiquette. By the time they got to how to treat women, they are just like, oh, let's just carry over the horse rules. <laughs> And we've been using the horse rules to this day. <laughs> Women come back from dates essentially going, oh, he didn't make me feel equestrian at all. 
Her friend's like, you deserve to be treated like a horse, Cindy. You're a lady. <laughs> You've got the ponytail and everything. <laughs> How much more clear can it be? I want to treat women with respect, but if it's based on horsemanship, that seems degrading. Like, do you know why it's polite to open doors for women? It's because horses cannot do it on their own. <laughs> women are totally capable of opening their own doors. Nowadays, they say it's impolite to text a girl to ask her out, but according to these rules, the most polite thing to do is to go, let's go. Get <laughs> Post haste, trusty steeds. <laughs> oh, and you never want to talk to a girl from the side either. You might spook her. <laughs> Whoa, easy girl, easy. <laughs> We're just going to the Olive Garden. <laughs> I'll get you a sugar cube. Just calm down. Chivalry seems degrading to women, but when I ask a girl out, it seems very degrading to me. Whenever I ask a girl out, I feel like I'm going, hey, do you want to go eat and judge my personality constantly for a few hours? Oh, don't worry, I'm paying for the whole thing. And to be polite, I'll treat you like a horse. How does that sound? <laughs> also, I don't get why it's the guy's job to ask the girl on a date. If you were to compare the two genders, why would you pick the creepier of the two to be in charge of organizing an outing between two strangers? That seems like a terrible idea. Every time I go on a first date, my main objective is nothing romantic. My main goal is to just convince the girl she's not gonna end up in my trunk. That's it. When I get back from the date, my buddies go, did you kiss her? I'm like, no, but I'm pretty sure she knows I'm not a murderer. What's up, yeah? <laughs> That's my first base. <laughs> because there's not a lot of difference between a date and a kidnapping plot. A date is like when you make a plan, you find a nice place, and you invite the girl to go to that place. But there's not a lot of difference between that and making a scheme, scoping out a location, and luring a woman to that location. Because here's the thing about being lured. You never know you've been lured until it's too late. Lots of girls have been in trunks like, ugh, I thought I was being courted. Turns out I was being lured. What a bummer. I hope they remember that I'm kind and patient. A lot of pressure on dates, especially if I'm driving my date. I've got to be very careful not to make a wrong turn and accidentally end up in a remote location. <laughs> then the girl looks at me with this face like, this may be my last day on earth. <laughs> and now I've got to be like, look, I'm sorry, I'm just a little lost. I was hoping I wouldn't have to say this out loud, but I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> I know I've got sunken in dead eyes. <laughs> but I'm not a sociopath. I just have resting Dexter face. <laughs> Cut me some slack. I am on Tinder, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> now that I learned about Tinder is on the app store, Tinder is classified as a game. <laughs> That's the case I've been playing on single player mode. <laughs> 
There's a multiplayer option, but I haven't unlocked that level yet. <laughs> Remember when you were a little kid and you didn't want your little brother to play the video game, so you'd hand him the controller, but it wasn't plugged into anything? <laughs> That's what Tinder's like for me. <laughs> I'm playing, nothing is happening on the other end. <laughs> and I'm like the little brother, I'm like, am I doing this right? <laughs> and Tinder's like, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. <laughs> If you're lucky enough to not know what Tinder is, it's this terrible dating app where you swipe right on pictures of people that you like and you swipe left on pictures of people that you don't like. If you both swipe right on each other, you match. Now, what's been happening with me is I've been matching with people I don't remember swiping right on. And I think I figured out why. You know how people tell you to not go to the grocery store when you're hungry? I've been on Tinder while I'm thirsty. <laughs> and you end up with those same thoughts of regret afterwards. You get that match on your phone like, oh man, I must have been pretty desperate to think this would be good. <laughs> well, waste not. <laughs> My friend told me I needed to get into dating shape. And he's probably right. Dating is a lot like wrestling. You can only date someone in your weight class. <laughs> That's messed up. It's not fair that I have to choose between food and a relationship. Because a relationship has a very slim chance of making me happy, but food makes me happy 100% of the time. <laughs> I think that's why you go to dinner on a date, because you want to compare if the person in front of you is going to make you as happy as the food you ordered. If it's a bad date, you're like, I'm sticking with the quesadilla. I'm sticking with my relationship with food. You really do have a relationship with food. That's why if you eat enough at one place, they give you loyalty points. There's commitment. For instance, I am loyal to Papa John's. He's the father of my food baby. <laughs> and I'm loyal to him, even though I know they take like 45 minutes to deliver. And in that same amount of time, I can go to any sketchy street corner and there's a Little Caesars there going, I'll do anything you want for $5. <laughs> because Little Caesars is the prostitute of the pizza world. It is not good, but hey, at least it's pizza, right? No one in a Little Caesars is ever holding their head up high. They all know they've messed up. Even the menu items sound like something a hooker would offer to you. Like a hot and ready, that's five dollars. Deep dish, that's eight dollars. Three meat treat, that's twelve. I don't do quality and I don't do delivery. <laughs> Wanna party? <laughs> but you gotta choose. You gotta choose between food and a relationship. You gotta choose. That's how God intended it. I know God intended it that way because he put it at the very beginning of his book. First thing God told Adam and Eve was like, look, 
I need you to make babies, but don't eat the fruit from this tree. There's a lot of sugar and carbs in it. And you're both naked, and I don't want any fatties in my garden. Just stick to the unlimited salad bar I've made for you. And after about two minutes, Adam and Eve were like, ugh, not worth it. And they ate the fruit. <laughs> and then God was like, shh, all right, get out of the pool. Get out. I have a confession. Bill Cosby had an Adam and Eve joke where at the end God says to get out of the pool, but I feel like it's okay to steal Bill Cosby's jokes without his consent. That's my policy. That's my feeling. That's right. We're even, Bill Cosby. I think that's the moral of the story, of the Adam and Eve story is that you want to find the one person that you want to eat with for the rest of your life. That's why whenever you get a wedding invitation, where's the first place you put it? The fridge. <laughs> that way that stupid smiling couple can look at you and be like, we found happiness. You keep rooting around in this freezer for some. <laughs> Dating's hard. I'm not good at it. I don't like arguing with people either, which makes me feel very left out on the internet. <laughs> that's all we do on there is argue. I don't argue so much that my friend called me a non-confrontational pacifist to my face. And to him I said, I'm not going to argue with you about that. That's accurate. Here's how out of my way I go not to argue. I was on the bus and this guy came up to me and he said, Gareth? And I said, I'm not Gareth. And he says, no, you look like Gareth. As if it were up for debate. And my first thought was, finally, an argument I'm going to be able to win. <laughs> but then, the rest of my brain was just like, let's hear him out. <laughs> let's not jump to conclusions. <laughs> That's a scary thought, because that means if you're persistent enough, you can convince me I'm somebody else. <laughs> also, if Gareth looks anything like me, he cannot be doing too well in life either. <laughs> I don't want to be Gareth. <laughs> No way Gareth is going home to his wife and kids like, Honey, I got another modeling job. Boy, it's a great day to be a Gareth. Everything's coming up Gareth. Don't like arguing. Opinions are dumb. You shouldn't have them. That's my opinion. Don't you feel like we're running out of things to argue about on the internet? We're arguing again about if the earth is flat. We're bringing back arguments from Galileo's time. Which is too bad, because we totally skipped over having witch trials again. <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> After her performance in Salem, Massachusetts, some thought Adele's voice was a bit too magical. <laughs> After which the hashtag set fire to Adele was trending. <laughs> and she will be burned at the stake in London. Everybody's so mad on the internet. I think it's because all angry internet comments are left by people sitting on the toilet with their phones. <laughs> because if you'll notice, you can read those same kinds of comments on public bathroom stalls left by people without phones. <laughs> public bathroom stalls are like the cave drawings of comment sections from a bygone age. 
All racist internet comments are left by people sitting on the toilet with their phones for the same reason that every bathroom stall has a swastika on it for some reason. My theory is, is that you reach a certain level of constipation where you blame the Jews. And you're right, it's not right, but the sphincter, the most German part of the body, when it is under duress, it becomes very anti-Semitic. When you're constipated, the only thing you can think of is, get out! And that's where racist internet comments come from. Every time you read, they're taking all our jobs! It's just some guy sitting on the toilet with his phone working off some bad Mexican food. That's all it is. We argue a lot about political correctness. Some say it's gone too far. I say, not far enough. Especially in the names we still give to certain diseases. Like, I feel like it's very offensive to people with attention deficit disorder that we thought we had to abbreviate it to ADD. <laughs> the doctor that came up with that was like, look, you have a disability, but you're not gonna be able to pay attention long enough for me to tell you what it is. Stop playing with my stethoscope, dude, focus. <laughs> when they came up with the name for Asperger's, that had to have been a joke. They're like, we have this disease where people have a hard time picking up on social cues. What should we call it? Wait a minute. <laughs> we can name this thing anything and they'll have no idea how awkward it is when they say it. <laughs> Get this, Asperger's. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, it's spelled A-S-P, not A-S-S, and you have Asperger's. <laughs> Where's your sense of fun? <laughs> when they came up with dyslexia, that had to have been the same process. They're like, these people have a hard time reading. What should we call this thing? Let's make it the hardest word to read ever. <laughs> we'll throw an S and an X. They don't stand a chance. <laughs> When they read the name of their own disease, they'll be like, I have Lixdexia. Cystexia. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> the way we raise money for people with disabilities is a little insensitive to me too. Like, I saw an asthma 5K. <laughs> Let's raise money for these people by doing the one thing they can't do. That's like doing a charades tournament for the blind. <laughs> or co-ed boxing for domestic violence. <laughs> yeah, I know that is offensive, but now you know how the people with asthma feel. Real rude what we're doing to these asthmatics. <laughs> we're like, I'm gonna have a lot of fun running in this race you can't run in. <laughs> Wanna hear the playlist I'm gonna listen to? They've got Just Breathe by Faith Hill. <laughs> Take My Breath Away from the Top Gun soundtrack. Lots of songs by Weezer. My playlist is rife with irony. We argue online because there are a lot of problems in the world. But what gives me hope is that no matter how many problems there are in the world, there's always people out there brave enough to change their profile picture to support the cause. <laughs> means so much to me <laughs> because I'm a big fan of looking like you're helping without helping at all. <laughs> I wish I could change my profile picture instead of helping my friend move. 
Just change it to the U-Haul logo. <laughs> Sending positive vibes your way. As you move that sectional, my thoughts and prayers are with you in this time of trial. Oh, it feels so good to get credit for helping without helping. Like, you know when someone drops something in front of you and you wait until they've almost picked it up before you do that courtesy lunge thing? <laughs> on the outside, you're like, let me help you. But on the inside, you're like, I have no intention of helping. And if you do the pump fake of kindness right, they will thank you for offering. <laughs> you get credit for helping and the satisfaction of tricking somebody. Oh, feels so good. <laughs> Look like you're helping without helping. That's my advice. If there's a kid missing in your neighborhood, don't join the search party. Go to the candlelight vigil. It's way easier. <laughs> the candlelight vigil is the ultimate in not helping. If you wanted to help find the kid, you wouldn't bring a candle, you'd bring a flashlight. No one's found the kid with a candle. <laughs> no one's shown up with a candle like, oh, here he is, in this dimly lit corner over here. Glad I brought my candle. <laughs> Would have found him faster if I brought my oil lamp. <laughs> I don't blame people for changing their profile picture online. It's hard to know how to respond to sad things on the internet. Like this guy in my neighborhood wrote on Facebook that he'd been diagnosed with colon cancer. And I didn't know how to help him until I saw that his post was riddled with grammatical errors. <laughs> I'm like, I know how to help him now. <laughs> I didn't really do that. I just like making you feel weird. <laughs> I would have been tempted to do it, though, if he had forgotten to use a colon. <laughs> right? Can't pass that up. <laughs> hey, man, you forgot to check your colon. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, another group on Facebook that bug me are the girls that will post a picture of themselves while they're pregnant every month. It's a little too accurate a depiction of what that looks like, but... <laughs> I don't like it, though, because they're fishing for compliments. They want to get comments that are like, you are glowing. You're a vessel of fertility and light. I'm just so tempted to write, wow, you look terrible. <laughs> Who did that to you? You should get a refund. <laughs> But I don't. I correct their grammar, too. <laughs> I go, looks like you missed the period. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I said it. I'll say it again, too. I'm not scared. Come at me, pregnant ladies. I'll fight you. Everybody's got an opinion nowadays, though. There are some opinions I know I don't trust. Like, have you ever had a vegan tell you something tastes good? It is a garbage opinion. <laughs> Disregard it immediately. I'm always like, you don't eat bacon. You don't know what you're talking about. The part in your brain that processes happiness has long since died. It's like you're blind, but in your mouth. <laughs> that's like getting music suggestions from a deaf friend. <laughs> And I know that's rude to deaf people to compare them to vegans, <laughs> but I don't care. I'll talk all the smack I want about vegans too. They're too weak to fight me. What's up? <laughs> Did you get your protein from lentils? Scary. <laughs> there are any pregnant vegan ladies here? I'll fight them right now. <laughs> Other than that, I'm a non-confrontational pacifist. <laughs>
healthy people have terrible opinions. Like I drink almost exclusively Diet Coke and all my healthy friends go, you should drink more water because Diet Coke is unhealthy for you. That is what Big Water wants you to think. <laughs> that is propaganda from the Big Water corporations. You know what my problem with water is? It's flat and it has no Diet Coke in it. It's a garbage drink. <laughs> I hate it so much. People go, how can you hate water? Your body is 70% water. That's the exact amount of myself that I hate. It's not a coincidence. I hate swimming in water too, because when I swim, I have to take my shirt off, and when it comes to my body, I like to keep things very vague. <laughs> but when I swim, everything is all wet and shiny and specific. Ugh, no good for anybody. I just want to wear baggy clothes, and I want when people to look at me to say, well, he might have some sort of torso under there, but you may never know. Swimming is so dumb. Do you know this about swimming? When you go under the water, you can't breathe. <laughs> Swimming's the only sport where if you stop playing the sport, the sport will kill you. <laughs> if I'm playing basketball and don't get back on defense, I don't get a harpoon to the neck. <laughs> That's why swimming is very creepy to me, because water is going, hey, how about you take your clothes off and I'll choke you a little bit. <laughs> No, 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 no. Hard pass, water. Diet Coke never asked me to do that. You kinky freak. <laughs> Not a healthy person. <laughs> I love food so much. I'm Italian, so Italian food is my favorite. And I'll tell you how good Italian food is. Italian food is so good, it makes you forget all the terrible stuff Italy has done in history. <laughs> For instance, when Italy was known as ancient Rome, they killed Jesus. And then I bring that up, it gets very uncomfortable. <laughs> Don't worry about Jesus dying, by the way. I hear it didn't take. It's the word on the street. <laughs> he slept it off or something. He's fine. <laughs> then later, this other Italian guy named Mussolini teamed up with Hitler and they started World War II. Hitler, by the way, did not like Jews because there had been a little mix-em-up about the who killed Jesus thing. And the whole time the Italians were like, play the cool. <laughs> Don't tell him it was us. <laughs> He'll be very mad. <laughs> but you forget about all that because that's how good Italian food is. You can kill the son of God and be with Hitler, but still when anyone brings up Italy, you're like, man, I could go for some raviolis right now. <laughs> In the meantime, whenever you bring up Germany, I always think, ah, those Nazis, but they came up with the hamburger and the hot dog, which are good, but not good enough to make you forget all their Nazi stuff. <laughs> but after World War II, the world was like, Italy, how could you do that? And Italy went, we made lasagna. <laughs> and like, you're forgiven. <laughs> You're forgiven forever, Italy. <laughs> Which makes me think, if Hitler had written a cookbook called Mein Comfort Foods, <laughs> maybe we'd think differently about them. <laughs> of another historical joke. Last one. I found out that they've discovered 118 pyramids in Egypt. 
and I was wondering how there got to be so many, and I figured some guy must have gone up to his friend and was like, okay, if you build two pyramids, and those two people build two pyramids, <laughs> and those two people build two pyramids, his friend was like, I don't know, dude, seems like a scheme to me, but whatever you say, Pharaoh Ponzi. <laughs> Tell you one last thing about me. I have a 14-year-old little brother. He is black. He is adopted, I hope. And <laughs> no. sometimes though I'll forget other people around me don't know he's my little brother. And like when he was little, I had to yell at him sometimes to get him to behave in public. <laughs> Not realizing it just looked like I was chastising a random black child. <laughs> be in the grocery store, be like, hey buddy, you gotta pay for that. You can't steal it. Yeah, didn't look good. <laughs> Especially to the other black people in the store. <laughs> and I couldn't explain to them that he's my brother because they'll just think I meant he's my brother and <laughs> that doesn't help the situation at all. You know what I don't get though is sometimes I'll introduce him to other people as my brother and then they'll be like, is he adopted? I don't get the whispering. <laughs> you don't think he's had any questions by now? If he hasn't had any questions by now, there's something else we should be whispering about. <laughs> but I always play along. I'm like, shh, keep it down. He hasn't noticed. <laughs> and then I've taught my little brother to be like, noticed what? What? <laughs> yeah, whispering. That's one way you know white people are about to be racist. <laughs> A lot of clues. I know all of them. One of my favorites is when someone is talking to you and then they stop and do this thing. <laughs> the over-the-shoulder minority check. <laughs> Some of you are doing it right now just in case what I'm about to say is racist. You can't help it either. It's a white person reflex. They could test it at the doctor with the other reflexes. Like they do the hammer on the knee. The doctor says a slur. You're like, huh? doctor's like, you're fine. <laughs> I mean, you're racist, but your neck is okay. <laughs> My personal favorite way of telling someone is about to be racist is when they go, look, I don't mean to be racist. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> That's like when someone goes, needless to say, but then they say the thing that they just said didn't need to be said. If you say needless to say, it should be followed by silence. <laughs> And I feel the same rule should apply to I don't mean to be racist. Now, with all that being said, <laughs> I don't mean to be racist, but I do have a story. <laughs> I was playing catchphrase with some friends. And if you don't know, catchphrase is this game with an electronic buzzer and it's got a word on it and you got to get the people on your team to guess the word without saying it. I'm very good at this game because I have older parents and catchphrase is just like when your older parent is talking to you and then they forget what they're about to say and now you have to guess based on their very vague clues. I'm super good at this game. I play it all the time. But I'm playing with like my sheltered Utah friends. So the only things they know about in life are like Star Wars, Harry Potter, and Jesus. And they think at least two of those things are real. So 
probably shouldn't be playing. Because <laughs> you need like actual world knowledge to play catchphrase. But the girl next to me gets the buzzer and I kind of peek over because she's not on my team. And I see that the word she has to get everyone to guess is Anne Frank. And I see on her face that she has no idea who that is. And what she says to get everyone to guess Anne Frank is, I think she was black. <laughs> Even with all my old parent experience, I was not expecting that. And I laughed way too much. <laughs> Mostly because everyone else kept guessing Oprah over and over again. Because that's the only black lady that Utah people know about. <laughs> so when the buzzer sounded, she was like, who is Anne Frank? And I'd been laughing so much that everyone just looked at me to explain. And I'm like, she was a girl that wrote a diary during the Holocaust. I'm very sorry for laughing. <laughs> Maybe you got her confused with Rosa Parks. And she's like, who's Rosa Parks? And I'm like, I think she was Jewish? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I tell that story to my little brother and we laugh about it a lot. And then a few weeks later, I'm visiting my parents' house and my little brother is there playing video games with a friend. And he tells his friend a Helen Keller joke. He's going through that phase in life, you know? <laughs> and his friend is like, who's Helen Keller? And my little brother looks at me and winks and goes, I think she was black. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, to Helen Keller, everyone is black. Because <laughs> I'm going through that phase in life, too. Thank you all very much. It's been a great crowd. Hello. Thank you very much. If you actually knew me, you'd know that is too much. You guys, my name's Alex, and this is my real voice. And I'm very sorry you're going to have to listen to me for a while. A lot of people think I'm gay, I'm not. Does that surprise you? It surprises a lot of people. <laughs> I'm not gay. Uh, I don't know what sexual orientation I am, actually. What's the one where you like girls but none of them like you back? What's it called? It's called Lonely, that's what it's called. Let me tell you what, not a lot of people are supportive of lonely people. They're like, look, you can be lonely in private, just don't be flamboyantly lonely in public. I'm just bumming all of us out. If you're gay though, you get to come out of the closet, but if you're lonely, you mostly just stay in the closet, you know? Sometimes you come out of your parents' basement and that's fun. When you come out as gay, it's celebrated too. People go, wow, you are so brave for accepting yourself. But if you come out as lonely, it's just sad. <laughs> just like, I just wanna let you know I'm very lonely right now. <laughs> People don't say you're brave either. They say, why are you talking to me? I don't know who you are. <laughs> I came out as lonely to my parents though. They were very supportive. They're like, well, Alex, we can't say we weren't suspicious. <laughs> Ever since you're a little kid, we could tell that no one liked you, but we love you very much. Gay marriage is legal now, but we still live in a society where lonely people can't get married. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No marriage equality for me yet, but I'm taking it to the Supreme Court. That is correct. 
Even then, I think the justices would be like, yeah, we can't find anyone for you. <laughs> We've actually conferred, and it's the majority opinion of this judicial body that you're kind of icky, actually. <laughs> Lonely people are discriminated against. And it's hard, because I can't raise awareness for loneliness. Like, I can't have a lonely pride parade. First off, I'm not proud about it at all. And if I did have a parade, who would come? It would just be me alone on the street, waving at nobody. Maybe throwing candy at some random bystander. He's like, why is he throwing candy at me? Don't like this parade. We're discriminated against. We can't get married. Do you know what else lonely people can't do? We can't ride in the carpool lane. Yeah, carpooling is discrimination against lonely people. It's the Jim Crow of the highway. Carpool lane has its own symbol too. There is a symbol to my oppression, my friends. And it is the diamond symbol. It's like the swastika for lonely people. It's rude, they picked the diamond to remind us of the diamond on the wedding ring we'll never have to buy. That's why they did that. Lots of people are discriminated against though. I think, especially in the names that we give to certain diseases, like, don't you think it's a little offensive to people with attention deficit disorder that we thought we had to abbreviate it to ADD? <laughs> like the doctor that came up with it was probably like, look, you have a disability, but you're not even gonna be able to pay attention long enough for me to tell you what it is. And could you please stop playing with my stethoscope? Like, try and pay attention, man. The people that came up with Asperger's had to have been choking, right? These guys are like, hey, these people have a hard time picking up on social cues. What should we call this disease? The other guy was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me we can name this thing anything we want? And when they say the name, they'll have no idea of knowing how awkward it is? Get this. Asperger's. <laughs> Dyslexia was the same process. They were like, these people have a hard time reading. What should we call this? The guy's like, let's make it the hardest word to read ever have an S and an X, they don't stand a chance. When they try and read the name of their own disease, they'll be like, oh, I have Lixdexia. No, Cislexia. It'll be hilarious. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I think the way we raise money for people with disabilities is a little weird too sometimes. Like, I saw an asthma 5K. Yeah, let's raise money for these people by doing the one thing they can't do. That's like doing a charades tournament for the blind or co-ed boxing for domestic violence. Yeah, that is offensive. Now you know how the people with asthma feel. It's really mean-spirited what we're doing to them. We're basically going, yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of fun running in this race you can't run in. Wanna hear the playlist I'm gonna listen to? I've got Just Breathe by Faith Hill. Take My Breath Away from the Top Gun soundtrack. Lots of songs by Weezer. My playlist is rife with irony. Weird ways we discriminate against people with disabilities. Like, I was on the bus, and they have these seats on the bus that say, please yield these seats to handicapped people. But then they have the translation of that sign in Braille for the blind people. Not necessary. Because here's the message we're sending to blind people with this. We're like, look, you may be blind, but you're not that handicapped, okay? Stop being so dramatic. What if someone comes along that's more handicapped than you? Can't you see that? <laughs> I saw a fire extinguisher with the instructions in Braille. Let's analyze this scenario, shall we? We're saying to a blind person, if the building should happen to go up in flames, you are not off the hook for the whole rescue effort. <laughs> We expect you, being blind, to maneuver your way through the flames, locate the fire extinguisher, but read the instructions first, and then put out the fire. How's that supposed to work? They gotta be like, okay, aim extinguisher at base of flame. All right, base of flame, base of flame. Yeah, it seems hotter over here. Yeah, I got it. I think I got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm single. All my friends are married, though. I can tell that my friends are married because they will immediately change their relationship status to married on Facebook on their wedding night. What are you doing on Facebook on your wedding night? This is your wedding night. Even I, the lonely one, know what you're supposed to be doing right now. And these are all my religious friends, too, so I know they've been waiting for this night. <laughs> what is the holdup? I think they're just going, look, I don't want to do anything unless we're married in front of the sight of God and Mark Zuckerberg, okay? <laughs> I promise in the future the whole wedding ceremony will just be on Facebook. Like, the minister will write, you take each other to be man and wife. Husband will just like the status. <laughs> Wife will write, hashtag blessed. <laughs> Minister will write, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may now create one of those creepy joint accounts where no one knows who's talking. <laughs> right. It's all a plot for those to eliminate those. I don't know how to respond to certain things people write on Facebook, like, especially if they're really sad. Like, there was this guy in my neighborhood that wrote on Facebook that he'd been diagnosed with colon cancer. I didn't know 
how to respond. So what I decided what would be best for me to do would be to correct his grammar. You know, <laughs> just how I like to help. He's <laughs> like, hey man, it's not you are cancer, it's your cancer. Your contraction was unnecessary. <laughs> didn't really do that. I'd be tempted to do it if he had forgotten to use a colon. Like, how, how can you pass that up? That'd be too good an opportunity to pass up. He'd be like, hey man, you forgot to check your colon. He'd be like, yeah, I know. Moral of the story, check your colons. The times to check your colon are colon if you're over 45 or starting a list in a sentence. Oh good, you went to English class. Good for you. Another group on Facebook that bug me are the girls that will take a picture of themselves while they're pregnant every month. This is a little too accurate a depiction of what it looks like. But they're just fishing for compliments. They want all those comments that are like, you are glowing. You are a vessel of fertility and life. I just want to write, wow, you look terrible. Who did that to you? You should get a refund. But I don't, I correct their grammar too. I go, looks like you missed a period. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Had this friend that posted a picture of her newborn baby on Facebook, she wrote, Welcome to the world, our little miracle. Look, I'm happy you had a baby, but miracle, let's not blow this out of proportion. Miracle is too strong a word. Everyone on earth was made the same way. You are not breaking any new ground here. Your little miracle is happening all of the time, sometimes by accident. <laughs> Yeah, no other miracle is done by accident sometimes. Moses didn't part the Red Sea because he got drunk the night before. <laughs> Woke up the next day like, what did I do last night? Uh-oh, did I lead all the Israelites through the Red Sea on dry ground? I need to stop drinking. I think I was talking to a burning bush or something. They'll post pictures of their newborn babies on Facebook. And here's the thing about newborn babies. They look disgusting, right? And it's not the baby's fault, to be fair. That baby just went through something horrific. If these babies knew we were taking their picture this early, they would be ticked off. They'd be like, why are you taking my picture? Did you see where I just came from? That is a tight squeeze. Give me a minute to adjust to oxygen. It was bonkers in there. Because here's the truth, Provo. Things you have recently squeezed out of your body are not even supposed to be cute. Right? We don't take pictures of anything else we've recently squeezed out of our body. After I take a dump, I'm not like, it's here! My five pound, two ounce miracle. And it was a miracle. Five pounds? Are you kidding? <laughs> I don't look good in pictures either. 
pictures, cameras make me look worse than I actually am, I think. Like, when I look in the mirror, I know what to expect. When I look in the mirror, my reaction is just like, okay, but when I see a photo of myself, my reaction's like, what did I do to that camera to make it so angry at me? Like, I did one of those how old is your face quizzes on the internet, and I uploaded one of my photos, and the computer said, error face not found. <laughs> Cameras hate me. I, uh, whenever I see one of those clickbait articles that are like, seven photos Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want you to see, I think, she only has seven photos she doesn't want us to see? I don't want you to see any of my photos. Sometimes I'll forget that the front-facing camera is on on my phone and I've turned it on and I've dropped my phone. <laughs> I don't like my picture taken. And I know other people complain about being unphotogenic. They'll be like, well, the camera adds 10 pounds for me. To those people I say, you're lucky that's all the camera does to you. <laughs> for me, the camera adds 10 pounds. It takes away the next five years of my hair. Makes it look like I just committed a school shooting. <laughs> Yeah, every photo for me is a mugshot. <laughs> if I ever went into a gun store, I think they'd just be like, no, no way. <laughs> don't sell to your kind. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I know what I'm lo I look like. I'm not in denial at all. Like, I know that I look like every character in a Dr. Seuss book. I know. <laughs> Take a look. Start to see it. In high school, in the newspaper, they published that my celebrity look-alike was the Grinch. <laughs> my face will get me nowhere in politics, but if I ever run for mayor of Whoville, I'm a shoo-in. <laughs> know what I look like. I'm going bald and I still have acne. Didn't think those two things would happen at the same time in my life. I thought acne and baldness would be separated by years of a golden age. But instead, I feel like I'm in the middle of this disgusting Venn diagram where this is puberty, this is old age, and I'm in the middle labeled blech. Sometimes it's a literal Venn diagram and I'll get a zit right where my hairline ends. I'm getting one right now. And the people at home will enjoy all of this in full HD. It'll be great. I see a lot of dates happening. Good for you for locking that down. I'm proud of you. I am not good at dating. I'm trying to get better. I know a lot of dating is based on chivalry, so I looked up what the word chivalry means. And this is true. It comes from an old French word that means horsemanship. It means horsemanship as in the ability to work with a horse. Don't think that's how the ladies want to be treated, right? <laughs> Never heard of a woman coming back from a date like, he didn't treat me like a horse at all. And I deserve to be treated like a horse because I am a lady. I've got the ponytail and everything. It helps keep the flies off my neck. Do you know why it's polite to open doors for girls? It's because horses are terrible at it. Have you seen a horse? They can't do it. They can't open a door. They're like, That's why they make that noise, they're frustrated. <laughs> and they say it's impolite to text a girl to ask her out, but technically, the most polite thing to do is to go, let's go. <laughs> Giddy up! 
on with post-haste, trusty steed. And you never want to talk to a girl from the side either. You might spook her, you know? Whoa, easy girl, easy. We are just going to the Olive Garden. We are just... I'll get you a sugar cube. Just calm down. Dating is weird to me. It's weird to me that we picked dating as the way we choose who we want to marry. There's a lot of ways we choose things, but we chose dating. We could have chosen anything. Like, we could have chosen, like, an essay contest or talent show. <laughs> Some sort of, like, March Madness-style bracket system. Who came up with dating? Who's the first guy to go up to a girl and be like, excuse me, would you like to go on an awkward outing for a few hours where you judge me constantly? And don't worry, I'm paying for the whole thing. And to be polite, I'll treat you like a horse. Doesn't make sense. I don't understand how the activities we do when we go dating help us pick who we want to marry. Like, you want to decide if you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, so you take them bowling? How is this helping? I've never been bowling on a date and seen her ball fade left down the lane and be like, yeah, she's gonna cheat on me. I can tell. <laughs> Bowling is not a skill you need when you're married. Based on my parents' marriage, the most important skill to have in a marriage is to be able to find the keys. <laughs> Their whole marriage has just been 30 years of, hey, have you seen my keys? I can't find my keys. We had a pair of keys missing for like three years and when we found them, we all went to dinner to celebrate. <laughs> So in my head, the ideal date would just be to invite a girl over to look for my keys. And if she can find them, I know she's the one. So romantic. For those of you who are not on a date right now, I thank you for taking a break from Netflix to come join us. Good for you. Remember the time before Netflix existed? Remember that? Remember having goals for your life? Before Netflix, I remember writing down lists of goals. Now I just have a list of movies that I need to watch. Like before Netflix, I wanted to get in shape and run a marathon. Now I just got five documentaries about marathons in my queue. I watch them all in a row so I can say I did a marathon movie marathon. It's really fun. I was actually watching one of those documentaries about the marathon. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that we run the marathon because in ancient Greece, after the Battle of Marathon, there was this guy named Pheidippides that ran from the city of Marathon to Athens to deliver a message, and when he got there, he died. He was the only guy in his race, and he still somehow managed to lose, which the Greeks found hilarious for some reason. So now we just recreate that guy's death as a sport. Seems insensitive. This was one of their soldiers, but they didn't feel bad about it. They're like, he died? <laughs> How far did he run? 26 miles? I could run that far without dying. Pheidippides was a fat load. <laughs> they ran the marathon in the first Olympics. They couldn't wait to start making fun of this guy. They probably had the finish line at his grave so they could yell insults as they crossed, like, you couldn't run this far, Pheidippa, please. <laughs> Did anyone here run a marathon by chance? Woo! Cool. Not impressed. Because now I know you were just making fun of a 2,000-year-old fat Greek guy. 
Nowadays, that's called fat shaming. You're not an athlete, you're a bully. That's what you are. Shame on you. You trained for your marathon for a long time, right? Yeah. Philippides didn't train. They just told him to deliver the message and he put down his euro and his baklava and his falafel. He left his Greek salad untouched, obviously, and he started running. Some of you are wondering why this marathon joke is so long. And it's because I like to make it like a marathon where you kind of get tired in the middle. It's known as hitting the wall. But if you push through, it's worth it. <laughs> so here's the message Philippides was delivering. He, uh, the message was that they had won the Battle of Marathon. He got there, they opened the note, it said, we won. And then they looked down and they're like, well, he lost. But that, you know why that's sad, right? Like, that's not an urgent message. That didn't need to be sent rush delivery. Like, that's not a message like, hey, the British are coming, you know? Could have walked. Also, I want to point out at this time in history, the horse had been invented. <laughs> Didn't need to run at all. <laughs> Turns out Paul Revere had the right idea. They were probably like, hey, Paul, run and tell everyone the British are coming. And he's like, no, dude, I'm going to have to borrow your horse. <laughs> but don't worry, I'll be polite to the horse. I'll open doors for the horse. I'll tell everyone the British are coming and then we'll go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> Just want to make you aware that you've now completed the Marathon Joke Marathon. Congratulations. I will say that Kenyan audiences tend to get it a little bit faster, but it's true. Watch one. They always win. Well, I'm glad you liked those history jokes because I got a whole mess of Thomas Jefferson stuff coming right up. Any TJ fans in the audience? Yeah, if you don't know him, he was our third president. You may know him from Mount Rushmore and The Nickel. Uh, you may also know him from his earlier work when he wrote the Declaration of Independence, which a lot of people view as a great political document, but I think of it as the greatest breakup text of all time. I think when Tom, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, he was just reusing lines he'd used on girls he'd dumped, like, look, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary to dissolve our romantic bands and assume among the powers of Earth the separate and equal station to which I am entitled. And you're fat and I never liked your mother. We hold these truths to be self-evident, Tiffany, that all men are created equal and have been given certain unalienable rights such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of other relationships. He could have been bad at breaking up, though. Like, can you imagine breaking up with someone by handing them a letter that 55 of your friends signed? Weak. You know, my friends wrote this letter because they said you're mean to me. <laughs> Friend John Hancock especially wants us to break up. You can tell by how big he signed it. <laughs> said he'd call you later. Look, I love America, but I gotta sympathize with England a little bit, because can you imagine how much it would suck to have your ex celebrate the day you broke up every year with fireworks and a barbecue? I mean, that's mean. I'd hate it if my ex did that. <laughs> like, yeah, remember how much Alex sucked? 
It's been a year. Party at my place. We are blowing crap up. I got one more historical joke. I learned that they've discovered 118 pyramids in Egypt, and I was wondering how there got to be so many, and I figured some guy went up to his friend and was like, okay, man, if you build two pyramids, and those two people build two pyramids, and those two people build two pyramids, his friend was like, I don't know, dude, seems like a scheme to me. But whatever you say, Pharaoh Ponzi. You guys are probably all in one. <laughs> Sorry for all the history jokes. Probably felt like school for you people. I went to school. I went to the University of Utah. How do you like that, Lovo? Yeah, I don't like them either. I don't like them. I owe too much money to them still to be a fan. All my friends are like, you should cheer for the football team. I'm like, I don't cheer for people I'm in debt to. I'm not rooting for Visa either. And the commercial comes on and I'm not like, yeah, go Visa! MasterCard sucks. My debt's with you, Visa. I also think it's sort of dumb to base your school spirit on your sports team. Like you think, yeah, you can tell I follow sports because I called them a sports team. <laughs> but the attitude's like, hey man, yeah, if all the p dumbest people at my school can beat all the dumbest people at your school, that means I got a better education. <laughs> but I'm glad I went to the U so I could learn all about business on a multiple choice level. It helped me out so much in the real world. Cause you know how at your job you don't have to actually know anything. They just give you four options of things to do and you pick one and you usually get it right like 63% of the time. And you have to use a process of elimination. Don't you love process of elimination at your job? Your boss is like, hey, I'm gonna need those quarter four reports. Which of the following is not a part of that process? Is it A, getting the numbers from accounting, B, putting together a PowerPoint, or C, harassing Karen at the front desk? And you're like, I know which one it isn't. It's a, it's a B, because PowerPoint is woman's work. Isn't that right, Karen? Your boss is like, well, that's incorrect, but you got it right 63% of the time, so we'll keep you on. <laughs> I would study for all the tests and not enough to actually learn anything, just enough so I could pick out the right answer from a police lineup. <laughs> and I took the test and just forgot all of it. But at my job now, I just Google everything if I don't know it. Like I think if you go on a college campus the day of finals, you can hear this hissing noise of everyone's knowledge just leaving their head at the same time. <laughs> Medical students are probably leaving tests like, where's the kidney? Doesn't matter, I'll Google it. <laughs> your doctor has multiple choice knowledge. That's why whenever you go to the doctor, your doctor's always like, well, it could be one of three things. <laughs> I had a doctor, she Googled something right in front of me. I was like, is the pain I'm feeling a side effect of my medication? She's like, I don't know, let's Google it. <laughs> I 
it wasn't even a medical website. It had all those clickbait ads on it. Like I was expecting to go, well, I don't know where your pain's coming from, but I know how you can lose weight with this one weird trick. I decided to major in business because I like watching TV late at night and uh, there reaches a certain point of night where every commercial is either for a singles line or a technical school. They just assume that I'm lonely and uneducated, which was true, but I didn't like them assuming it about me. I especially liked the ad for Steven Tenniger College because in that ad they made it seem like all you needed to know about business was how to point at a chart and smile. And as a person on my couch at 2 a.m., like, I think I could do that. <laughs> Actually, my first job out of college, this is true, was at Stevens Henniger College. <laughs> I had to go to four years of real school to work at a fake one. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Stevens Henniger. <laughs> and my job was making charts. I didn't get to point at the charts, so tonight, if you'll allow me, I want to live out my dream and point at some charts. All right, there's another comedian that points at charts. His name's Dimitri Martin. What was that? Is that I think they were hypnotized at some point in the past. <laughs> and their trigger word for some reason is Dimitri Martin. <laughs> and then... <laughs> when you say Dimitri Martin, they turn into a chicken. <laughs> so this chart shows how the longer I point at charts, the more I'm ripping off Dimitri Martin. <laughs> now I make charts for a living and these charts are all just charts about other charts. So I hope after I've explained slash justified myself, I will go down to what I'm calling an acceptable level of joke theft. <laughs> and that's me. <laughs> now, when you're making charts, it's important to know which kind of chart to use. For example, this is a bar graph about how much pie I ate. And I feel like there's a better way to represent this data. This chart shows how much of this pie chart is a line graph. That much. This is Pac-Man. Now, Pac-Man looks like a pie chart, but if you want to graph how much Pac-Man looks like a pie chart, don't use a pie chart. I'll explain. These are charts about how much a pie chart looks like Pac-Man. Now, this looks 50% like Pac-Man, 65% like Pac-Man. Now, when you get to about 75%, he looks exactly like Pac-Man. So, remember, these are just charts about how much a pie chart looks like Pac-Man. So, if he, try and keep up, if he looks exactly like Pac-Man, then you have to fill the whole thing in, right? So if you want to graph how much a pie chart looks like Pac-Man, this is the actual way. You reach a maximum level of Pac-Man, and then it goes down. This is the Pac-Man paradox. 
We're learning together. We're learning together. This is a chart about how much the last chart looks like a hill. <laughs> Remains constant over time. This is a chart about how much the last chart about the chart before it looks like a hill. Not at all. So, we have another problem. Because this chart looks like a hill except for the axis. So, if you want to graph how much it looks like a hill, you get Pac-Man again. Which, this is how much doesn't look like a hill and how much that does. So, in conclusion, the double derivative of Pac-Man is a hill, and the double derivative of a hill is Pac-Man. Yeah. Thank you for appreciating my discovery. This is like goodwill hunting. All right, uh, my sister came home and she was asking, she's learning about improper fractions, but she came home and asked me, what's an indecent fraction? And I said, it's a fraction that goes around naked all the time. And that's what that looks like. I blurred out the naughty bits because this is a family show. So these are some other fractions that I taught my sister. This is an irrelevant fraction. VHS over facts. No one uses that stuff anymore. This is an immature fraction. Poop over farts. Obviously equals sharts. It's a very immature joke. This is actually the lowest common denominator. Now this one's a little more complicated. This is infinity over P, so there's a lot of uncontrollable P happening, thereby an incontinent fraction. This is an imperceptible fraction. I don't know if you can see that. It's hard to see. Uh, whenever people talk about gun control, they talk about how the gun attack rate in Australia went down after they banned guns, but what they don't tell you is how much the boomerang attack increased. This is a chart I made about the rate of boomerang attacks. As you can see, it goes down, but as boomerangs are known to do, it comes back. And boomerang attacks are very tragic because every boomerang attack is a murder-suicide. And just throw it out, but it comes right back. I had one more boomerang joke. Can't remember. Hoping it comes back to me. What? Yeah, that's right. Three of the same boomerang joke in a row. Because when you joke about boomerangs, the same joke comes back. It's the last one. This is a chart about obesity in America. It was a pie chart, but we ate it. <laughs> I went to the bathroom today. Thank you. Two applause breaks in a row. Stop. It was one of those automatic toilets. And I remember when those first came out, I didn't know how they worked. 
Like I just stood up and it flushed and I had no idea how it happened and I sort of thought there was just some guy looking through a camera in India flushing toilets all day long while taking tech support calls. What's worse is when the automatic flush doesn't work because then you gotta do that dance to try and get it to work. Gotta drop it like it's hot a few times. Just picture that guy in India going, oh, keep dancing, my friend. This is my favorite part of the job. You must twerk to get it to work. I went to the grocery store and they have the, went to the grocery store and they have the rubber divider stick at the grocery store, which I like. These guys are still laughing from the previous joke. Good for you, good job, good job. Every one of you should be like these people. <laughs> I went to the grocery store and they have the rubber divider stick at the grocery store, which I like because to this day, I've never seen anyone breach the boundary of the rubber divider stick. <laughs> Millions of people come into the country illegally, but the rubber divider stick is the law. <laughs> Trump wants to build a wall, but I don't think that's how you should do it. I think you should just put down one rubber divider stick at the border. <laughs> and when people come, they're like, oh, we've got to go back. <laughs> It'll be a magnificent rubber divider stick. It'll be great. It'll be fantastic. It'll be so good. Everyone will say so. We'll put down one rubber divider stick and make Mexico pay for it. And they will because it's so cheap. Solving problems here, people. <laughs> I'm trying to get in shape. I've actually lost 20 pounds recently. Thank you. I lost the weight because last year I uh, got fat shamed by a skydiving company. I went skydiving and before I went they weighed me and they're like, well, you fall into our second tier, which means you have to pay 50 extra dollars to fall out of an airplane. So I paid an obesity surcharge. I don't know why I had to pay, I guess because of all the extra gravity I was using or something. I wanted to be like, excuse me, will I plummet from the plane as much as my self-confidence has just now? Because that was a real thrill. Can my tandem instructor insult me on the way down too? It'll be like I'm falling twice as fast. They might as well have gone, do you even want a parachute? You look lonely. I'd be like, well, do I have to pay the fat tax? They go, no, but there's a cleanup fee. Sorry about my hypothetical death. <laughs> then they had the nerve to ask if I wanted to spend 150 extra dollars for pictures of my enormous body falling towards the earth, which didn't seem like a great sales pitch. They're like, yeah, we use a GoPro camera. It has a fisheye lens. It makes you look even fatter. Still not interested? How about we put a skinny hippie on your back just for comparison? So I was up in the plane and my confidence is shot, but now I've got to jump out of an airplane and I was worried I wouldn't be brave enough to do it. Turns out I didn't have to worry because Whole Foods Yoda on my back just jumped for me. It's like, jump out of the plane we must. And we jumped. 
And it really was amazing that for a minute, I forgot how fat I was. Until we started passing everyone else that had jumped out of the plane before me. I hit rock bottom the same time I hit terminal velocity. I think it's good to get fat shamed like that though, sometimes. Like, I think that's how we could help with childhood obesity. Here's my idea. I think McDonald's should make the play place into a giant model of the human heart. That way when the fat kid gets stuck in the aorta slide, he'll know what he has to look forward to later in life. It'll be good for him. He'll have an epiphany in there. Be like, yeah, I gotta change some things. Cancel those nuggets, mom. I'm all stuck up in here. I'm trying to get in shape but I don't want to turn into one of those annoying gym people. I have this friend that's like, yeah, man, I go to the gym religiously. I'm like, oh, do ya? Because I'm a gym atheist, actually. <laughs> Respect my beliefs. I used to believe in the gym, but then I thought, if the gym were real, why is there so much pain and suffering at the gym? No. Like, I'd be in the gym in pain going, if you were a merciful gym, you could have prevented this. <laughs> and I grew up going to the gym religiously. It's just how my parents raised me. And it was hard breaking it to them that I'd become a gymnatheist. They still made me talk to those two guys with white shirts that come on the stationary bikes. You know, these guys. They're like, do you have a couple minutes so we can share a brief message? about our personal trainer, Jesus. I'm like, mm, no thanks. Loved the musical though, fellas, congrats. I used to be into the gym, like, I don't mean to brag or anything, but I used to be able to do the shake weight and the thigh master at the same time. Yeah, what's up, ladies? They don't even have that equipment at the gym. I brought it from home. I was devout. I really did grow up going to the gym religiously. My dad is a former professional bodybuilder and he tries to teach me weightlifting and I'm hopeless because whenever I'm trying to work out a certain part of my body, I'll miss. Like I'll be doing bicep curls and somehow my neck is lifting it. <laughs> like I knew you could miss in basketball. I didn't know you could miss at weightlifting. Like I tried to do bench press, which is supposed to be for your chest and arms, but for some reason, my butt was like, don't worry, bro, I'll lift it. And I'm like, no, butt, don't. <laughs> it's not your turn. He's like, too late, already did it. I'm like, how did you do that? I'll be doing squats and all of a sudden my colon is like, it's my time to shine. I'm like, no, Colin, don't. <laughs> my dad's like, are you feeling the burn? I'm like, not how you think I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> All the equipment at the gym just recreates stuff you do in real life anyway, right? Like the rowing machine is rowing, stationary bike is cycling, and the treadmill recreates the experience of not being able to keep up with the sidewalk. <laughs> Actually, if there's a girl working out in front of me while I'm on the treadmill, it's a perfect metaphor for my dating life. Because <laughs> I'm expending all this energy and not getting any closer. <laughs> and I'm always sweaty. <laughs> been trying to run out on the street more, but I think I'm going to start running in jeans. 
Because when I run in shorts and I have to stop and walk, I feel like people are judging me. <laughs> they know what happened. They're thinking, well, he meant to exercise. Clearly wasn't ready for his rigorous workout. If you're walking in shorts, it's always a sad story. If you're running in jeans, it's an interesting story. People look at you running in jeans, they're like, is he being chased by someone? Cause, yeah, I don't see the guy chasing him anywhere. Good for him, he's in shape. So I, I'm trying to run, that's my thing. And I have this app on my phone that will play a song based on my running pace, which is how I found out I run at a Celine Dion speed. <laughs> and it's really bad and I can't even keep up with Celine. I'm like on the edge of the street, like, I'm sorry, Celine. I'm not going near, far, or wherever you are. And I don't know if my heart will go on, honestly. <laughs> So now I run at an Enya speed. Because if I have to walk, I'm just like, who can say where the road goes? Where the day flows? Only time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I have fun. I have fun with my phone. Here's a story of how much fun I had with my phone. Uh, I was at... Uh, at church, and at my church, we have this bulletin board that's just meant for church stuff. Like, but there's this guy that was advertising his DJ business on the church bulletin board. So I decided to text him and mess with his head. <laughs> Look, I figure Jesus doesn't like it if you try and sell stuff at church. So I asked myself, what would Jesus do? And I'm a good Christian. <laughs> Normally when you ask yourself, what would Jesus do? It just means you can't do something fun. But this was very fun. <laughs> so, I want to read the conversation I had with the bulletin board DJ. Uh, my first text said, I heard you do DJing. I'm planning on having a funeral. Do you do funerals? <laughs> he writes, what specifically are you looking for? Are you just wanting music to be played after or is this during? I wrote, during and after. My friend is a big fan of Korean pop music. And we can play it during internment. <laughs> he writes back, So this will just be background music you're wanting played? I'm sorry, I've never done a funeral before, LOL. <laughs> he writes, LOL. I wrote, not background music, you'll be the main focus. They'll just be burying him in the background. <laughs> That way it'll be less sad. Can I ask if you have a fog machine and or lasers? He writes back, yes, I have both fog machines and lasers. He writes, where would this be located? I said, the State Street Cemetery. I'm not sure when though. You know how leukemia is, LOL. Yeah, that should have been his reaction. 
That should have been his reaction. But instead, he writes me back, lasers won't do you any good outside unless it's night. <laughs> That's what he was worried about. Very practical, this one. So I wrote, ooh, good call. We'll do a nighttime spooky funeral. <laughs> also, is your deposit refundable just in case he beats this leukemia stuff, LOL? <laughs> he writes, the deposit reserves a date. Since he is still living and you don't have a date yet, I won't take a deposit until he has passed on. <laughs> Contact me when you have a funeral date and we can discuss details further. <laughs> His only hang-up with my plan is that the friend I made up isn't dead yet. So I write, okay, that's reasonable. I'll call you as soon as he passes. He writes, okay, sounds good. Also, if you need any other DJ services or know anyone who does, let me know. So I said, well, I guess I'll ask the other people in the cancer ward. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Local man robs Wendy's with alligator. We're the alligator boys now. And the lady be sitting in the bank, she be going, Mom, Mom, Mom. If you love what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family, and let's spread the laughter. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on today's guests and special offers just for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back soon with even more laughs. Join the fucking funny community today.